Good morning, church. Um, Let's all stand. Let's turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. We'll be reading through 5 to 25. It says in verse 5, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and their birth were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was but to, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias." to turn to the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak, unto the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their seasons. And the people waited for Zacharias, and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that they had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned, not, for he beckoned unto them, and remained speechless." And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. All right, God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just come before you this morning. And thankful, dear God, for the opportunity that we have to be able to open your word. Thank you, dear Lord, that uh, you preserve for us Lord, these great many stories that really illustrate and, and demonstrate your power. And Father, thank you, dear God, that, Lord, similarly today, we can uh, certainly look to you for strength, uh, certainly look to you for enabling, Lord, to live in such a way that would please and honor your holy name. And Father, thank you, Lord, for the, the word of God. Thank you that we can have the liberty and the freedom to read it, to 
to glean from it the wisdom that we need, and then, Lord, to be challenged, to be aligned to how you would have us to live in our day. And so I pray that you'd help us as we open uh, your word. I pray that you'd help us as we um, glean from it the truths that you would have us to learn today. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be surrendered to it in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, this morning, as we continue our, our series into the book of Luke, following Jesus, we see read there uh, probably a, a story that uh, many of you would be familiar with. And no doubt this was a tremendous proclamation by God to a faithful couple. We see an angel made this announcement from the Lord about a miracle birth. And yet, as we get into the book of Luke, we get into the narrative of Christ. It's interesting that the first hearing of a birth announcement wasn't one of Christ. It was about his forerunner, John the Baptist. And I think this is important for us to recognize as, again, this directly ties in the story of Jesus with the prophecies of the Old Testament. And what Luke now starts to do is start with the narrative of Christ, who he was. And, and, and so it's important then to note his forerunner, John the Baptist. Uh, we see John the Baptist was a, was a forerunner of Christ foretold in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. The prophet born through this faithful couple was to go before the Lord and prepare the way for him. And he was a mighty prophet. And as we read there, he was in the Elijah's mold. And Jesus would later say about John that he was the greatest born among women. And can you imagine the great privilege it would have been for uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias to uh, have heard about this great announcement? And I think all of us here who are parents, we uh, look at our, our newborn children or the anticipation of our children, and we all believe in our heart and and think in our heart that they're going to be very special. And, and whilst that may not always the case, uh, may not always be the case for each and every one of us, we see here that for, for Elizabeth and Zacharias, this was truly going to be uh, um, a, a special occasion and a special birth. This was a privileged position for this great couple to, to have in their lineage now the forerunner of Jesus the one that was going to prepare the way for him. And this was uh, not just some, uh, some mediocre announcement. This was an announcement made from heaven given to this angel to give to Zacharias. So Luke then places this event in history. This was a time really of Herod, the, the king of Judea. This was a time when under Roman rule, a, a king was thrust upon the people. Herod was known in history as a monster. He was a murderer of his own sons later his wife and countless others. He was known to be hostile to religion and was a tormentor of the people. We see later on in the story of, of Jesus, we see in the, the recording of Matthew chapter 2, that when he heard that there was another king born, he, his immediate response to that was to kill all of the male children. And that's the kind of caliber of person and, and, and leader this Herod was. And, and you think about the, the time that, uh, that this news was broken, the religious leaders of the day were hindered really by their empty religiosity. They were just following things through tradition. They were uh, self-advancing in their corruption. And, and what I'm saying is, as we think about and we get plunged into the narrative here, this was not a time, an easy time, where it was easy to follow the things of God. This was a difficult time. 
this was a time where the Bible really bears out for us. It was a time of, of the silence of God. A time when God's voice was not heard. It had been 400 years since a prophet that proclaimed, Thus saith the Lord spoke in the form of Malachi. And so even at this time, this was a time where, where there was silence even from heaven and there was a, a, a great really a, a contrariness to the things of God. And yet what we see in this great story, uh, really even though it was not a proud time in the nation's history, it was a dark time, yet we see here a bit of a light. You see here that in the middle of all of that, God then plunges down into this world and He speaks to a couple that we know to be Elizabeth and Zacharias. And what they demonstrate for us was even when times are contrary, even when times are inconvenient, even when times are, are in opposition to, to uh, serving God, even when it's easier to make an excuse not to serve God, God still finds people who are faithful. God still finds people who will show some fervency about the things of God. And, and we're, we're going to note some lessons this morning as we observe a couple that were serving God even when the times were contrary. What we'll find is a couple who lived for God despite their challenges. What we'll find is a couple who responded in a way that is often typical when faced by God's revealing and then a faith that won out in the end. And so we're going to look into the, the story of Elizabeth and Zacharias. And really, this was when God brought news to a faithful couple. And so notice verse, verses 5 to 7 with me this morning as we begin the, the message today. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abai. And we stop right there and we see immediately this contrast between two characters. And, and God quickly moves on from Herod uh, who in that day would have been the, the prominent figure of the day in that area. He was uh, presented as the king of Judea at the time. Yet God quickly moves on from him and, and really focuses on this man named Zacharias. He was a priest. He was someone that was working for God. He was someone that was born of the lineage of Abiah, who was married to a, a, a one named Elizabeth, who was of the lineage of Aaron. And they were, as the Bible tells us here, both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And the first thing that we note here about uh, this, this, uh, this time is we see a fervency recognized. We see a fervency recognized. We see a couple who, despite the challenges of the day, who, despite the, the climate of, of lack of, uh, lack of uh, really uh, any kind of religious activity in the time that, that they were born in, were fervent for the Lord. They were fervent in the, uh, as a couple serving God in their testimony, in their, in their livelihood, and even in the challenges that they faced. See, Luke, in writing about Zacharias and Elizabeth, show us a couple that were fervent in their lives for the Lord. Again, Luke makes short mention of Herod, but highlighted the fervency of a couple. And again, this was not a typical couple. See, see in that day, it would have been quite easy to make excuses for not serving God. I mean, the times were contrary. I mean, it was not a popular thing. It, 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 was, it was simply duty in that time. And yet what we see in these two was a fervency about the things of God. They didn't follow the crowd. They didn't follow what was typical. They stood out. And in fact, we know that because God highlights them for us. And we see a fervency recognized. And what we see despite all of the, the, the challenges and all of the things that they're going through was that they still had... Uh, very real problems and needs. You know, sometimes we equivalent uh, the, 
the thing that is equivalent in our minds is if we're fervent for God, then everything needs to go right and everything needs to go rosy in our lives. And yet what we learn about, about Zacharias and Elizabeth was they were just real people who had real needs and real problems. For Elizabeth, it was this problem of barrenness. She, she was desiring to have a child, and yet she was childless. And, and so they didn't have a perfect life. Just because they were fervent, there was, no, uh, the, the, there was no reason for them not to have problems. They had problems just like everyone else. And, and, and so here's what I'm saying. You know, out of all of the couples who were living in that day, you could, you could easily give Elizabeth and Zacharias a pass for not being fervent. The, the time they were living in wasn't the best time to be faithful. The time that they were living in wasn't the best time to stand out in a religious crowd because the government of the day was, was very hostile and was very against and really was just at the very best tolerant of religion of the day. And, and, and then we also see that they had very real problems and issues that really just were just weighed down on their hearts. And we could easily give them an excuse for not being fervent. And yet what we find is that they were, they were blameless before the sight of God. They were a fervent couple. And I want to ask you this morning, I wonder if God looked down in this congregation. I wonder if He looked at the couples in our church. I wonder if He looked down at the young people in our church. I wonder if He looked down at some of our young adults in our church. And I wonder if He would recognize some fervency. Or I wonder if we would just place excuses before God. I wonder if we would just look at the religious climate of our day and the, the, the very nominal way Christian, Christianity is lived in our day. And I wonder if we would just be fine with that. I wonder if that's really our status quo. I wonder if that's really how we are. Or can God see some fervency in a crowd like this? Does God see fervency in your life? And what we see, God recognized some fervency in the life of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And firstly, we see that in their testimony. We read there in verse 6 that they were both righteous before God. And we know that Christ had not come yet and had not died on the cross yet. But what they did, they did right. They, they were not light, righteous like we are in Christ, but both did right before God. And, and boy, I, I wonder if we would be the kind of people who, if you're saved, you're righteous in the sight of God. But I wonder practically, are you righteous? I wonder if you do right in your life. And the, the Bible says they were walking in the ordinances and commandments of the Lord blameless. Meaning in all that God expected of them as a couple, in their priestly lineage, they were, they were, they were fulfilling their responsibility. Blameless doesn't mean perfect. It means in all that was in their power to do, there was no fault to be found in them. And boy, what an amazing couple. What an amazing testimony. What a standout testimony. And how we need people who have the same fervor as this couple. And by the way, can I just remind you this morning that they did it in the law. But church, listen, we do it in grace. They, they did it in the law because that was part of the, 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 the administration of the time was under the law. But Christ fulfilled the law. And now we get to live for Christ in our testimony in fervency by grace. 
and you understand that we have a greater than responsibility to live righteously and to live fervently in our day. And so we see firstly that they were fervent in their testimony. I wonder if you're fervent in your testimony. I wonder if you're passionate about making sure that you have the right testimony before others and the right testimony before God. And listen, sometimes we can fool each other with our testimony. Sometimes we can appear a certain way. Sometimes we can play the part and wear the clothes and speak the language and do all of that. And yet, I wonder what God really sees about us. Because here's the point about this couple who were fervent. What we see about them was it was God who recognized that about them. God who sees our hearts. God who sees our our every action and every word and every thought. Although it's hidden behind closed doors, although it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very cleverly disguised in all the formalities sometimes of our, of our worship, you know, the, re- the reality about them was this. God saw them and accounted for them righteousness and blamelessness. Their testimony was true. And I wonder if God would recognize that about us, you know, in their service. You notice there that he executed the priest's office and, and the, the priesthood took time. They were rostered on to do certain, uh, certain duties and certain responsibilities. And we see here that, that Zacharias was one who fulfilled his role. He was, he was fervent in his, his service. We see the Bible tells us that they were well stricken in years that they had already gone through the, the time where you could have the energy and, and all of the natural zeal that comes with youth, all of that had come through, but now they were older, and yet they were still serving. And, and I wonder if we would just uh, understand that God's, God's looking down, looking for some fervency or passion in how we serve no matter what age we are, no matter what stage of life. You know, I, I'm glad for, for the, the young people, the children, who, who stood here and they're graduating, they're coming through to the next stage of their, of their Christian journey. And I love the fact that we had all of these young people who were singing for the Lord. But, I, you know, I love the fact uh, so much more when those of you who have gone through some things in your life and gone through those some issues and some problems and, and gone through some trials and have gone through some tribulation and problems in life and, and you've gone through all of that. And you still have a zealousness and you still have a fervency in serving God. I love the fact that, that as we come through and we look around uh, the different churches and, and particularly as we serve together in our movement, I, I love seeing some pastors uh, who uh, through the years have just remained faithful in the service for God. And I look up to those men, I look up to them, and, 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 and with all my heart, I hope I will be like them. And I love the fact that we have that. And what we see here is Zacharias was one of them. He, he was one who was fervent still in his service. Elizabeth and Zacharias were in the priestly tribe of Levi, and they served God with their lives. Elizabeth as a wife and Zacharias as a priest, and this was a couple that was devout in their worship of God. They followed His call for their lives. And and, and in our time, in our time when working for the Lord is done so many times out of convenience, may we be a people who serve God out of a calling. 
Because really that's what it was. For, for Zacharias, it was a calling. For Elizabeth, it was a calling. And, and so they fervently serve God. And I wonder if we would have those in this place, in this time, no matter what the issues of the day are, no matter what problems we face in our lives, I wonder if we say in our heart, this is a calling. This isn't simply because there's no one else. This isn't simply because, well, I get highlighted. No, I, I do this because it's a calling. I do this because I'm called of God to do what I am called to do. And, and you know, we live in a time where it's so easy to sort of name the name of Christ, especially in our society today, that really, as much as it's contrary, it's very tolerable still to just being a Christian almost at times in some areas. It's just the norm. We can have a mentality that we're just sort of blending into our surrounds. And yet what we see about this couple was their fervency was recognized not in their testimony, but in their service. But then I want you to note in verse 7, and they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. But I, here's what I want to say to the church this morning. Not only did they, were they fervent in their testimony, in their service, they were fervent in their need. You, you understand, they had very real needs. And you know, sometimes what happens is, is we're, we're fervent for God as long as He's doing everything we want Him to do. As long as those things that our heart's desire involves is met. As long as He's making sure that those things that we pray for is happening. And yet the, the reality is this, we're still people and we still live in this time and God still allows troubles and God still allows lack in our lives. And what we see here was they were well stricken in years. They had gone through life childless, gone through life with that barrenness, which in that day and in that culture was very much looked down upon. And yet what we see is that this, this couple, despite their need, despite their trouble, still fervently served God and still had a fervent life to live for God. Although they had a testimony and served God, they still had a, a very pressing heartache. They wanted a child. The Bible tells us that they were well stricken in years and that language bears out, if you study it through the Bible, means that they were over 80 years old. So you know that they were way past the childbearing age. And yet what we find about them is that they had been praying for a long time. They, they had continued to hold to, to, to the hope. They, they continued to look to God and they continued to serve God despite of their lack. This was a long-held issue they had and they, they, they had a heartache. They, through their heartache, they faithfully kept their testimony and served God. And you know, sometimes, sometimes the thing that knocks us away from our fervency for God is when we, trouble, uh, we encounter troubles in our lives. When we encounter things that we don't like, that are unwanted circumstances, unwanted in our lives, and we start to be, begin to question God. We start to move away from, from that heart-level devotion to God. 
we start to move away from the Word of God. We start to do away with the, 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 the faithfulness that we used to have to, to being part of the local body of, of believers. And we start to move away from that. And yet what we find in Elizabeth and Zacharias was this. Even though they had troubles, even though they found a lack in their lives, they were still fervent. And, you know, uh, that goes down to the motive of our hearts, isn't it? Are, are we in it so that God could bless or are we in it just because of God? Are we in it because it's our calling or are we in it because we want to be pampered? You know, sometimes our unwanted circumstances become deal breakers for us regarding following God. And what I want to say to you is our time needs people who will follow God regardless of circumstance. But we need people who have faith and real faith and who, who don't check in their Bible, check away their Bible if times are hard or, or don't, don't do away with God because circumstances suddenly don't dictate that it's easy. You know, sometimes we need to recognize that in our lives we need some fervency that's born out of reality. And I want to I say this morning that God looked down from heaven and He saw in the life of Elizabeth and Zacharias, firstly, some fervency. And so we note some fervency recognized. Secondly, notice verses 8 to 20. And we, we've read the verses, but notice with me here that, that Zacharias was in his, uh, in his place of responsibility in the, in, the, uh, in the priest's office before God in the order of his course. So it was his turn. And according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. So he was in the temple of the Lord doing that, and the, the multitude were praying outside at the time of incense. And notice what happened in verse 11. There appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And can you imagine that? You know, Zacharias, as old as he was, he, he had done this thousands of times. He had gone through and he was familiar with that. And so you can imagine then that as he went about doing what he was doing, that this, this angel appearing obviously would have caught his attention. Obviously it would, have, it would have shocked him. It would have gotten his attention that quickly. And so we see that happening here in verse 9. Um, sorry, in, the, in verse 12, then Zacharias saw him. And then notice this, he was troubled in fear fell upon him. And I think um, all of us here, we've, we, we sometimes read the Word of God and we sort of go, well, why would he fear? We fear. We fear when we see things that don't belong where they belong. You know, we, we sort of get a little bit questionable in, in, our, in our judgment when we see things that don't seem to fit. And we see here that Zacharias, when, he was, uh, when, when this angel came about, he was shocked. He feared. He feared. And, and later on, he then has this conversation with the angels. The angel who is Gabriel pronounces that this is going to be a miraculous birth, the birth of a son now in their old age. This was going to be something that, that was at, the, at a magnitude that was unbelievable. And that's what happened. We see later on that Zacharias asks a question. How can this be? You know, we're old. We're, we, we're past that time. 
And we know that what happens, he gets silenced. And, and I want you to note a second thing here. As we think about this story, we see a fearful response. We see a fearful response. And, and we can at times take the pronouncements of God. And here again, even when they're an answer to prayer with a sense of fearfulness. And I want you to note something about fearfulness. And I think it's in the positive. Fearfulness tells us, really, of the magnitude of the announcement and the unlikeliness of the solution. See, they had been praying for quite a while. From a natural point of view, they had passed the time where they could. And so to get this announcement, this could only have been God, right? You ever gone through and, and something happened and you can't trace it? It just had to be God. You know, there were many times in Scripture where God dealt with people directly. And, and you know, it's interesting if you study those through, Nearly all of them responded initially in fear. There was a fear. There was a fear of God. There was a fear of, of, of the sudden realization that God was at work there. And here's sometimes how, how we look at that. We can look at that negatively, but you know, it's actually quite a typical response. Fear as a response to God's dealing with us actually is a normal reaction after the fall. We see the patriarchs respond that way. We see Moses respond that way. We see Joshua respond that way. We see Isaiah respond that way. We see Paul at his conversion respond that way. And yet God's response to our fear is always this, fear not. Fear not. And subsequently our response then is to move forward in faith. And often that place of fear is what we need to get our attention and help us understand the magnitude and seriousness of God's pronouncements in our lives. And here's what I'm saying. Sometimes in our modern day, where we are fooled into thinking that the miraculous is normal, because we, we envision it on screen, we read about it sometimes in, in uh, fiction, we fool ourselves into thinking that we don't need to fear God. That, that somehow in His dealings with us, it's just normal. But listen, when, when God truly is dealing with you, there will be an initial fear that you respond with. You know why? Because that indicates that you realize the magnitude of what He's saying. Sometimes we take God too casually. And here's what I'm saying. Sometimes even at the reading of the Word of God, when was the last time you saw something and God gave you something in the Word of God and it made you tremble? You know what we want? We want a God who just hugs us, who all the time comforts us. And yet what we see in the Bible is sometimes there's a God who when He deals with us, causes us to fear and causes us to tremble and causes us to even, even question reality. And what we see in Zacharias' life is a fearful response. And at times, you know, our fear is heightened when we're living in a time that God seems silent. And again, can I, can I put it back in the context of history here? God had been silent for 400 years. 
and suddenly an angel appears. So no doubt in this situation, the norm was this, there was not, nothing heard. Service was normal. He was just doing what he was doing. And, and the climate of society at times when it's contrary to, to a faithful living Christ causes us to have a heightened fear. Or it could do the opposite, causes us to dull our fears. And we see firstly here a fearful response to a heavenly revealing. Again, when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. You know, the, the angel came to give Zacharias a revelation and God's revealing of his plans can often bring fear. And I want to I submit to you that if God's revealed something to you and it hasn't caused you a bit of fear, then maybe it's not big enough. Maybe you're not taking it seriously enough. Maybe you've not understood the magnitude of what he's saying to you. And I remember when I was 16 years of age, I remember sitting in a conference and, and hearing the preaching, and, and I remember very clearly God speaking to my heart about preaching the Word of God. And you know, if, if you, you knew me as a, uh, as a younger man in my teenage years, especially my early teenage years, I, I was a very much an introvert. I didn't like speaking in front of, of uh, uh, in, this, in this way, in a public setting. I feared to lead. I, I feared the, 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 the magnitude of that. And when God spoke to me about that, it was utter fear. I remember going, and, and you know, after the, the, the height of that and the sense of that, going back to where we were camping out in the backyard of the youth pastor's house, and I remember sitting at the back in a, in really there was no tent. It was in Queensland. It was hot, all right? But we were sitting there, and I was just in, in the corner by myself, and I just thought, how am I going to do this? What, what, what does this mean? And, and suddenly this sense of the magnitude of the call. And I remember just thinking through that. It was, you know, we, we were pretty quiet on the way back, all those, the, the 16 hours that we drive back home. And, and I remember just sitting on my own a little bit, uh, a lot of the time, and just thinking through that. But I remember as I went through and, and every step of the way, God then called me to, to, uh, to work in the ministry here at the church. And I remember getting that sense of fear. I don't know what to do. I've never done this before. And there was just this heaviness. And then I remember taking the pastorate five years ago and just that great sense of the magnitude of responsibility. And yet the verse that kept coming to me was Joshua 1.9. And really the gist of it is this, don't fear. Fear not. And maybe it's different for you. Maybe for some of you, you're, you're the next stage of life. There's, there's a thing that God would have you to do. And, and there's a great sense of fear there because there's a pronouncement of God. And, and what I'm saying to you, that's the pattern. That's the pattern. And so we see this in the life of this fervent couple. See, our fear is an indication that God is, is the one that has revealed it. And then His comfort then helps us press forward. And, and so I, I don't want you to sense this morning that you're, you're not in good company. If God's ever revealed something to you and you feared, you are in good company. In fact, that's the Bible pattern. But, but I want you to note then, it was a fearful response, really, because of an unlikely outcome. 
And notice again later on, he says this, whereby shall I know this? How can I know? And, and after recognizing that they had been well stricken in age, way past the natural time where they can give birth, he's going, how is this going to happen? And he gives the reasons why this is unlikely. They were beyond the years of natural childbearing. And isn't that how we do with God? When He asks us to do something that's beyond our comfort zone, that's beyond our reach, that's beyond our perceived ability, that's beyond us in our, even in our imagination, isn't that how we do? We give God the, un, the reasons why this will unlikely happen, not happen. We'll say, oh, well, Lord, I'm just, I'm just feeble. Well, Lord, I, I don't know how to speak. Moses said that. Well, Lord, I don't know how to do this, how to do that. And listen, it, it may be true, but, you know, God is beyond uh, our ability. See, we respond in fear because really, in the end of it, we don't understand how God will do it. And we fear that we don't understand. You know, it's like sometimes becoming a Christian and your unsaved family, you know, they, they start to see the changes in your life. They start to see that suddenly those Sunday mornings or those Sunday evenings, they're no longer as free as you used to have. You are prioritizing the, the, the house of God. And they're looking at that and you're, you're questioning what's happening in your life. And maybe you're thinking, well, they'll never get saved. Well, they don't even understand me now. How, how are they going to get saved? How are they going to even know? And maybe you're in your reasoning, you're thinking, well, it's unlikely. But listen, sometimes in that fear, we need to break through and understand that God's saying, fear not. When we view God, the God of the Bible, in all His wondrous record of His power, we understand that, that really there's nothing to fear when we really consider God. You, you, might, uh, you might initially respond in fear, but here's what I'm saying. Don't stay there. Don't stay there. What, what happened later on was, was Zacharias responds to this, and, and really he's silenced by God. Why? Because what we see in verse 20, he moved into this next stage of thinking. Not only did, it, did he respond in fear, but then he then followed it up with unbelief. And here's what I want to say to you, church. You know, God might reveal something that is fearful initially, but don't stay there. Don't go to the next stage of unbelief. Because unbelief will then actually stop you from, from gaining the full blessing of what God is revealing in your life. And unbelief caused silence in the life of Zacharias. Really, he was silenced because of the, uh, God's response to his unbelief. And unbelief that follows fear denies us really of the joy of the announcement that God has been working in our lives. You see, later on, he goes out and he couldn't speak. He couldn't speak until the time came. And, and so it's normal, again, to respond in initial fear. But we must follow then that with trust and faith in God. See, the outcome and the means to that outcome is God's business. And our trust in Him is our, is our responsibility. And so we see that He feared. But then notice the, the last thing. Notice verses 21 to 25. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he, wouldn't, he could not speak, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass, as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. So he goes home, he's finished his duty in the temple, 
And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. And, and Elizabeth then conceives. And, and we see here that there's a faith rewarded. And not only was there a fervency recognized, a, a, a fearful response, but then we see a faith rewarded. And, and, you know, faith is something that God rewards. And faith in, in, any, in any amount, small or large, uh, quantities is rewarded by the Lord. And here we have a, a really contrasting faiths rewarded by the Lord. One had a rough start, didn't he? He was in misbelief in the power of God. And the other, we see Elizabeth, was, a, was one of persistency. She prayed, waiting on the Lord. And yet in due time, God did what He was going to do. And by the way, God will do what He wants to do. God's not, God's not ransomed by us. God's not restricted by us. He will do what He will do. It's His will. He, it says in verse 13, in response to, to them, their prayer was heard. It was faith. Yet in the same discourse, in the same story, we have doubt and fear. And, and really, that's the two tensions of life. Remember, faith and sight, but it's also faith and fear. But we see faith rewarded later on. In verse 25, we, again, we see she understands that the Lord had dealt with them. He looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Remember, again, that in that situation, there was a reproach there. There was a, there was a bit of a, a, an understanding about barrenness in that day that they, that they saw it as very much a curse. And yet later on, we see in verse 57, now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered and she brought forth a son. Wow, what an amazing thing. And we see the faith rewarded. God still does the miracle. He still answers the prayer. And the fruition of the announcement and the response of God to fear and doubt was this, to show His power. He rewarded their faith. We know later on, again, as it was announced, it was a faithful seed. It was one of John the Baptist. Can you imagine can you imagine being the parents? You know, sometimes we, we get a very, a very elated for our children, and we ought to. I hope that you parents who saw your children here, uh, they're moving to the next stage. I hope that your heart was filled with joy. I hope that that was a great thing. I hope that you do celebrate the milestones that your children has, especially spiritually. But can you imagine being the parents of John the Baptist? Can you imagine seeing him go up and seeing how God would later use him. And can you imagine then, in contrast to that, all of those years that they had been praying and waiting and waiting and waiting. The times they doubted. The times they feared. And yet now, despite of that, their faith had come to fruition. And you know, sometimes we lose sight of the fact that God is a God who can. And God is a God who, despite sometimes even our lack of faith, does what He will do. And you know what that is, church? That's grace. That's grace. And the faith rewarded, we see, is the last thing. And we see the, the fruition of that. And, and you know, many times when we, we persevere in faith in the sense of this, when God has brought us something in our heart, 
And we just continue to serve Him in fervency. We continue to be the testimony that we need to be. And we don't stay in places of fear like we, we, we often come to. We come to places of faith. You know, at the end of it, God will reward that. And, you know, I think about it in parenting. Many times we, we, sort, of, we sort of get disheartened. You know, like every child at times, they come through and you're trying to do right. But they, they don't seem to respond the way they should. And we sort of bang our heads on the wall or on a table and get frustrated. And we go, well, God, you told me to do this. And I'm trying to do it. And there seems to be no response. Well, what's happening? And yet if we know this, we persevere through time. And we just continue to be faithful. And we just continue to serve God like we should. And we can just continue to follow God despite our fears, despite our doubts, despite our troubles. What we will find is then another generation of fruit as a reward. And I want to say to you parents this, this morning, you know, you might be longing for some result, some fruit in the life of your children, the life of those that you're ministering to, in the life of those that you're trying to work with for God. And, and can I just say, uh, you might go through times of fear. You might go through times where you're just fearful of the result of the, or the outcome of the situation. But can I say, God's got it very much on hand. And it's not always about you. In fact, it's never about you. It's about God who can. And there's a faith rewarded. Sometimes in times that are contrary to Christianity, really like the day they were living in, like the day we are living in, we can grow weary in our waiting for God's rewarding. Maybe you're a young, young person and maybe you're, you're looking at your future and you're trying to seek the will of God as best as you can. Maybe you are faithful. Maybe you are fervent in what you're doing for Christ, and, and maybe you're sincere in your testimony, and God sees that, and you're waiting for God to then open a door of relationship. Maybe you're seeking for that. It's been a while. It's been, you know, a long time, you're thinking. Can I just say that if you just stick with it, God will reveal His plan. And don't, don't go past God's timing in your life. And, and don't grow weary in waiting for God's rewarding and and really, a faith rewarded, it was an answer to doubt. See, God often does what He does. Not because of, of us, but despite of us. And His purpose to, to answer was to answer doubt and prove Himself to His people. And can I just say to you this morning, God isn't swayed by our doubt. He's not swayed. You, you remember the story of John the Baptist? And John the Baptist later on will question even. He'll question even, are you really Christ? But you know, Jesus' response is telling. He starts to describe about John the Baptist. And then he says, just go tell him I am. And, and God, in, in, in our doubts, he's not swayed. He's not swayed by our doubts. He's not fearful of our doubts. God, God isn't overcome by our doubt. You know, I think sometimes we treat God like a fairy tale. Everyone know the story of Peter Pan? You know, Peter Pan, there was a, it's all about fairies and stuff. And you see, there was a fairy by the name of Tinkerbell. And uh, Tinkerbell, you know, said to Peter Pan, because he said, oh, I don't believe in fairies. 
And remember what, what, what Tinkerbell said, you know, every time someone says they don't believe in a fairy, a fairy dies. And you know, sometimes we're like that with God. We think that, oh, if we don't believe Him, then, you know, He can't do what He can. Sometimes we think, oh, if we doubt, then, you know, it's really up to us. We're limiting God. God God's not limited by anything. He may choose to respond to your unbelief like He did in His hometown, like He did to the people in the wilderness. God may choose to respond to your unbelief by, by not blessing you and not giving you like He could, but that's His choice. It's never our choice. And you, you, you miss out, though. You miss out, though, in, when you respond in doubt. You miss out, though, in all the things God could have done in your life. You miss out, though, in the fruit. But we see that even past that, we see that God responded in, in a way. You think about Simon Peter, who, after toiling all night, responds uh, to the Master's request to throw the net in to the other side. He says, well, to- toiled all, all night and caught nothing. And, and what, did, what did Peter say anyway? He goes, well, at thy word, I will. So he does, and the, that multitude of fishes come. And remember Peter's response? He said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And, you know, that's the point. You know, sometimes in our doubt, God reveals and God rewards the little, little faith just to show us how big He is and how small we really are. You know, I know many times in my life where I've had a rough week. And, you know, I, I tend to be the typical Aussie. I'm a bit of a whinger. <laughs> and I whinge about this and I whinge about that. And I'm like, oh, if only this happened, if only that happened. And then God will show me something and it just blows me away. And then I just feel about this small. You know, many times, many times God is, is waiting. And He's just waiting to show us who, how big He is. And God did that in the life of Zacharias later on. We see that Zacharias' faith was somewhat restored. Remember the instruction He was given? He said, call him John. And then the first words out of his mouth, his name is John. You know, and he, he was rescued really from his unbelief because of God's later pronouncement and later fruition. But really, secondly, it wasn't only an answer of faith to, to doubt, it was an answer to the persistence. And we see contrasted to that is Elizabeth. And thank God for a godly lady who just sticks with it. And I thank God for you ladies who many times, and, and, and we know this, no husband is perfect. And I know this, I'm not perfect at all. And there's many times where I've just in my, the way I've responded has been, I've been doubtful. And yet I know many times my wife in her faith, they just persisted to pray. And men, if you've got a wife like that, praise God for her. And praise God for you ladies. And we have this Elizabeth here who just persisted in her prayer. And you know, who knows how long Elizabeth and Zacharias prayed. They, they, they certainly were still praying at an old age. And again, the Bible tells us without faith it is impossible to please God, but He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And here she persisted to pray. Someone said it this way, prayer can let in a ray of hope when all our earthly prospects seem darkened. 
And can I just encourage you, maybe you're waiting on something. Maybe you've been praying for a situation. Maybe you've been praying for an outcome in your life. Maybe you've been praying for a right desire in your life. Can I just encourage you to persist in prayer? Because sometimes we may not understand God's timing, but it is His timing. See, one of the reasons God gives is because we just simply keep asking. I want to ask you, how's your asking? How's how's your asking? You ask believing despite your fears and doubts. And God will answer. God can and He will. You know, sometimes we're living in this environment where, again, it's not favorable. And you see others who try to solve it their way. And we can, we, can, we can trouble God by, you know, trying to do it our way. And yet what we see in Elizabeth was we, she just kept, kept persisting. She just kept asking. She just kept looking to God. And, and, and maybe there's some of you here, you've just been discouraged. And there's been a good thing that you've been asking for and God hasn't brought it by. And recently you've just stopped asking. Hey, God didn't stop, tell you to stop. Hey, maybe He did, but, but probably He didn't. And maybe you just need to persist in your prayer. And what we see here in this, this faithful couple, they lived in a time that really was a challenge to their faith. They had challenges in their own lives, both personally in their lives, in their, in their lack. And yet what we find here is a couple who just were fervent. A couple who, despite their fear, just persisted in faith. And I want to encourage you about this miraculous story. We have a couple who we describe as fervent, who despite their hardships that they encountered, we see even responded in fear and yet won out in faith. And I want to encourage you today. You know, we live in this time. And I love the admonition of the Lord where He says, you know, when I return to the earth, will I find faith? And I wonder in our time, if we'll be a people who won't just stop in fear, but will just respond in faith. Who, who will show some fervency, even though it would be much easier to live the status quo, to live nominally. But we'll stand out in the sight of God. And, and uh, how we need that today. How we need people who won't just fall asleep at the pew. How we, know, we need people who won't just think it their duty just to turn up. But we need people who will be fervent in their testimony. Fervent in their service. Fervent despite of the challenges that they face. And we need some people who will just respond to God. And it may be an initial fear, but not stay there. Continue in faith until they see the reward. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the time. And Lord, I just know that, Lord, we live in a time, Lord, that, Lord, requires us, Lord, to, to truly live by faith. Lord, I understand, dear God, that we are humans and there's, there's things in our hearts that we fear. And yet, Lord, we, when we understand who you are in relation to the magnitude of what you've called us to do, certainly, Lord, we can trust you and we can respond by faith. And so I pray that as a result of that, Lord, that we'd live fervently in our time. That, Lord, we won't just sort of let 
life passes by and, and we just live the way everyone else seems to be living. But Lord, we'd go beyond that and live fervently for you. And thank you for the, the lesson there. Thank you, Lord, that, that Lord, we see the reward. We see that, that this couple got to see the fruit of your announcement in their lives. And so I pray that you'd help us this morning as we have this time and every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. The piano can begin to play. And I wonder if there's, there's some here this morning. And, you know, John the Baptist, he was a forerunner of Christ. He was one who made the way. He was really the herald that spoke of Christ to come. And yet, Lord, yet we know that Christ has already come. And maybe you're here this morning and if I were to ask you this question, if you were to die today, would you know for sure that your sins are forgiven, that heaven's your home? You know, the reason Jesus came wasn't simply to be born in a manger. He, he came to die on the cross of Calvary for your sins and mine. And maybe you're here this morning and just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure. There's never been a time where I've trusted Jesus as my Savior. Is there anyone here this morning? Is there anyone here this morning just with an uplifted hand? I want to pray for you. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. I just want to pray for you this morning. Is there anyone here? Just say, Pastor, pray for me. Anyone at all? I wonder here this morning, I wonder if you're considering this time. I wonder if you'd consider your own heart. I wonder how you are. How's your fervency? How's your passion for God? How's, how's your testimony before the Lord? Is it what it appears? I wonder if you're here this morning, just say, Pastor, the Lord challenged me about my fervency, my passion. I want to live for God. I want, I want, to, be, I want to be real before the Lord. And Pastor, here's my hand. Pray for me this week. Pray for me. See those hands. See those hands. Anyone else? See those hands. Thank you. Let me lower them. I wonder if you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm, I've been praying. There's something I'm desiring. There's something I'm asking the Lord to do. And I believe it's of the Lord. And, and Pastor, just pray for me that I just would just persist. That I just overcome those doubts and fears and trust God with and continue to just seek Him. I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? I see those hands. I see those hands. You can lower them down. Thank you. Many hands this morning. Let's all stand to our feet. If you raise your hand this morning, I want to invite you to this altar. I want, want to invite you to just do business with the Lord. Maybe, again, take the time today to just pray. Just seek God. Maybe recommit your, your passion and your heart to the Lord and ask Him to just use you in this time that we're living in today. Let's all stand to our feet. No one looking around. If you God's dealing with you this morning, I want to invite you to this altar and come and pray and seek the Lord out.